Today is July 31st, 2022, and a few things have developed in regards to pharmacy and COVID-19 this month. Pharmacists can prescribe Paxlovid, and Novavax finally received emergency use authorization from the FDA. Let's dive into these two topics. Paxlovid. We talked about Paxlovid on the podcast previously, and Paxlovid is back in the news for several reasons. Let's start with the basics, though. For listeners that may not have heard our previous podcast, Paxlovid is an antiviral that's produced by Pfizer. It is a combination of two different products, Nermatrelvir and Ritonavir. It received approval in late 2021 and was also backed by the World Health Organization. This was one of the first non-intravenous treatments of COVID. Nermatrovir is the part of the medication that has efficacy against COVID-19. But if Nermatrovir was used alone, they'd have to dose the medication many more times a day. But by using ritonavir with it, they're capitalizing on a drug-drug interaction. The ritonavir is a strong enzyme inhibitor of the same pathway that metabolizes nermatrovir. So by giving these together, the ritonavir prevents the nermatrovir from being metabolized and inactivated. We've seen this done with some other combinations of drugs in the past. The challenge here is that although it allows decreased dosing of a very effective drug, it also creates a potential problem. Alone, nermatrovir is a very well-tolerated drug, but ritonavir has a lot of significant drug interactions. So significant, in fact, that sometimes other drugs have to be adjusted or not even given at all. In fact, there are 22 products that are completely contraindicated and many others that have lower level interactions that still need expert medical review. As far as when it should be given, the World Health Organization's view is that it should be used by anyone with non-severe disease that are unvaccinated, elderly, or immunocompromised. Other conditions that put people at significant risk are things like lung diseases, like asthma, heart disease, brain and nervous system conditions like stroke and dementia, being overweight, diabetes, cancer, anemia, being immunocompromised, even mental health conditions like depression and schizophrenia, Down syndrome, and other conditions at the discretion of the prescriber put, that put the patient at increased risk of severe disease or developing severe disease. It needs to be initiated within five days of onset of symptoms per the Food and Drug Administration, or FDA, and is typically given twice a day for those five days. Caution needs to be taken when using this medication because of dosing concerns for renal dysfunction as well. In the clinical trials, they found that the use of this drug decreased the rate of both hospitalization and death by 88 to 90 percent, so pretty effective. The FDA had updated their screening guidance for the use of Paxlovid, and those changes were published in early June. The changes urged prescribers to be mindful of the potential drug-drug interactions with Paxlovid. 
as I said, there are over 20 drugs that we don't want to give at the same time as Paxlovid. Despite those cautions, Paxlovid continues to be the preferred treatment for non-hospitalized adults with COVID-19, according to the NIH. When I was working on this podcast originally, I was thinking about what was happening with Paxlovid more currently and was going to talk about the fact that President Biden received Paxlovid while he had COVID, highlighting the importance of use and its safety. Due to his age, President Biden was at risk of developing severe COVID, so he was prescribed Paxlovid and seemed to be having a much milder case of COVID than what we were hearing about during Trump's presidency. President Trump was at a significant disadvantage, though, when he had COVID. His case of COVID was before we had vaccines and before we had these other treatments available. More recently on the news today, they're reporting that President Biden has had a relapse of his COVID, and we'll hear in a little bit about that and that does seem to be happening to some people that take Paxlovid. The other big news though about Paxlovid is that pharmacists can now prescribe this oral solid drug. There were very certain situations that have to be made, uh, have to be met, and there is information that needs to be available to the pharmacist for them to be able to prescribe this drug. Patients have to, for example, be over 12 years of age. They have to be over 88 pounds. They have to have uh, labs that show a normal renal function, or the pharmacist is going to have to adjust the dose based on that renal function. They also have to have normal liver function. In that case, the pharmacist would actually have to refer them to a prescriber if adjustment needed to be made or an analysis needed to be made because of their liver function. Uh, The pharmacist has to review for drug-drug interactions, and if anything else would have to be adjusted as far as their medication list, then the patient's prescriber would have to be consulted. This is big news for the pharmacists out there. While pharmacists sometimes write orders for prescriptions through collaborative practice agreements, this is not a collaborative practice. This gives me, as a pharmacist, the opportunity to prescribe the drug without the involvement or collaboration with the prescriber. I've heard from some colleagues that some prescribers are not very happy about this. Um, The feeling is that maybe they're threatened or they feel like their expertise is being taken away from them. In fact, one prescriber even emailed a colleague and said, are you going to be ordering MRIs next? And I really think that that misses the point. The FDA recognizes that pharmacists are medication experts. This is a medication. I don't see us ordering something like an MRI because that's diagnostic. Will this expand to other medications? Perhaps, uh, but only time will tell. The other reason that Paxlovid has been in the news is that we're hearing reports and concerns that sometimes a relapse of COVID-19 occurs following the use of Paxlovid. In social media, there have been reports of this from both patients and from clinicians. Some people are describing receiving a five-day course of the drug and then testing negative for COVID. This negative test is then followed by return of symptoms 
and some people are even receiving a new positive test result. There are various theories about why this could be happening, and there is certainly room for concern from some cl clinicians that patients could still be infected in transmitting the disease. That's because a positive result from a rapid test indicates a significant and likely infectious amount of virus. So researchers have been trying to determine exactly what's going on here. And it's difficult to determine precisely because some patients already have a rebound COVID infection during the course of a normal infection when they don't receive Paxlovid. The rebound has been described and seen in all age groups. Symptoms in these patients have typically resolved quickly during their first case with Paxlovid treatment. These patients will then have a second round of symptoms, which have been noted about four to seven days after completion of the course of therapy. The rebound symptoms tend to be mild and resolve in just a few days and don't require any kind of more aggressive treatment. The rebound period also typically results in another positive COVID-19 test, not just symptoms. It will be interesting to see if anything else is determined about Paxlovid rebound. Now on to Novavax. Back in June, yes, June, and we're now at the end of July, Novavax had been recommended to the FDA for approval under the emergency use as another vaccine against COVID. And it wasn't until mid-July that the FDA moved on this recommendation and made it the fourth vaccine available in the U.S. to fight COVID-19. According to some sources, 22% of Americans are still unvaccinated. The hope with an additional vaccine is to, to continue to decrease the unvaccinated numbers. This vaccination is already approved in some other countries. It was created using more traditional vaccine methods, and therefore some people who were hesitant to get an mRNA vaccine might be open to getting this vaccine. The vaccine is protein-based and uses technology used when immunizing for influenza or shingles, for example. The initial efficacy profiles seem to be very similar to the mRNA vaccines, and Novavax has simpler storage than those mRNA vaccines. This vaccine gets stored between 2 and 25 degrees Celsius or 36 and 77 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, this is indicated for a primary series only at this time. Because of it being so new, of course, no one would be ready for a booster just yet. And they're not currently authorized for booster doses. If a patient gets Novavax, there is no recommendation for a booster of any other brand either. The big thing to be aware of and emphasize here, there is no genetic material used in the production of this vaccine. In the patient emergency use authorization recipient fact sheet, it clearly states that it contains a recombinant form of the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein that is produced by insect cells and an adjuvant that is derived from the soap bark tree. So it comes from insect cells and tree. And just to be clear, it cannot give you COVID-19. So I think that's enough for today. It really 
it's an interesting time to be a pharmacist, certainly with the new abilities that have been provided to us and with the new products being produced. COVID has been around quite a while now, and unfortunately, there's no end in sight, but we can continue to learn and grow and do better.